All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Sunday night. Another Sunday night on the left coast. Episode 11 on October 11th, 2020. It has been a week for sure. So we got a lot to talk about. Time's been on my mind. I think it's probably on a lot of people's times changing right now. And let's get right into it. So for this week, we got some interesting topics to get into. So first, I want to give a heads up. So uh, uh, October is also John Wick Day, October 24th, which is uh, the original theatrical release of the original first John Wick movie. And uh, as a result, I've decided to make October 24th John Wick Day. I invented it. I started it. It's right there. You can go to johnwickday.com and sign the John Wick Day petition. You never know. Maybe we can get this to be some sort of uh, cable TV holiday where they show marathons and different things. So in uh, celebration of John Wick Day on October 24th, I'm going to be having a Zoom watch party, a marathon of all the John Wick movies. I'll have details uh, on the website, leftcoastlove2020.com, leftcoastlove2020.com. And uh, I'll leave it open, so on the 24th, uh, if, you don't, if you can't stay for the entire time or you don't want to watch all three movies, that's, that's fine. Uh, but you can go ahead and drop in. Uh, also, on October 24th, during the, uh, the Watch Party Marathon, I'm going to be opening up and sharing the contents of my John Wick box. So we'll have to head out to the garage and break up some concrete. And No, actually, my John, my John Wick box is here in the office. It's, uh, it's right down here. If you're, uh, if you're on the YouTube, the YouTube feed, there's a photograph of it. Uh, this started off as kind of my idea for uh, organizing my different uh, John Wick collectibles and things uh, to, to, in the same style that John Wick collects his gold coins and weapons. Um, so I had originally started by sketching out what my John Wick box might look like. And I, and I started with a small one, which had some DVDs and a couple of action figures. Um, very small I want to say maybe what was it like six inches across there's a picture of it here and then uh, since John Wick John Wick 2 John Wick 3 uh, my box has now grown uh, to be the size of a trunk and it is packed full of John Wick goodies so we'll be digging that out and sharing sharing some of that fun on October 24th so um, I hope you folks can can uh, spend some time with us on that on that John Wick day. Um, also this week, uh, in the mailbag, <laughs> uh, I want to thank uh, Buzz, who's one of my uh, comic book artist friends. Uh, Adrian um, All is his name, but uh, he goes by Buzz, and uh, he's he's uh, his, he's he's a very accomplished artist. And uh, Parker loves uh, Lilo and Stitch. So uh, earlier this uh, earlier this quarantine, earlier earlier in the pandemic, 
a bunch of my comic book friends that are in the business uh, had some difficulties because uh, there's been no comic book conventions, which is one of the ways in which the artists uh, can make money by selling sketches and artwork and things at the different conventions. And on top of that, monthly comic books from Marvel and DC and a lot of the other publishers, and I talked about this in earlier episodes, um, they've either scaled back or shut down for a period of time. They've started to come back, but the, the number of titles and issues that are out there is not the same as it was prior to the pandemic. So uh, Buzz decided to do a, uh, a stay-at-home convention, if you will, and he uh, did sketches and artwork. And uh, at that time, he had some Lilo and Stitch. Oh, I'm, no, I'm getting really bad reflections off the plastic, but um, there, that's, that's probably pretty good. And then we got another one on the other side. So, Buzz, thank you very much. Uh, we hope your parents are, are doing better. We know they're, we've heard they're under the weather and you're doing a lot to take care of them. Uh, we do appreciate you taking the time to send that stuff over for Parker. All right, I think that's, I think that'll take us through housekeeping. So, on to the good stuff for this week. Uh, first topic, uh, getting old. And getting old means a lot of things to all of us, but uh, here uh, where I live in Novato on our cul-de-sac, uh, the woman that lives uh, directly across the street from our house uh, turned 102 yesterday. And she still lives on her own, uh, still takes care of herself. Uh, she's uh, an active member of the community and of her church here in Novato. And given the fact that we have the pandemic and with her age, uh, having a, a big birthday was, was not something uh, we could really do. So the neighborhood got together on our different cul-de-sacs and it started the night before with the kids uh, doing chalk, uh, chalk drawings all through the cul-de-sac and around the various sidewalks uh, with her age and hearts and pictures of her house and her name. And then on uh, Saturday, yesterday, uh, we had the neighbors, so I, at our house here, I pulled the grill out and we did hamburgers and hot dogs and all of the neighborhood kids uh, were out socially distanced working on chalk diagrams and riding bikes and just generally hanging out. And then at uh, three o'clock, uh, there was a parade that came down down through the street with all of the neighbors and the kids. Also, people from the church and the community came by uh, with signs to do a, a driving parade. And it culminated with, which these days might be viewed as something that's a little, um, a little controversial, but uh, for the town that I live in here in, in uh, Northern California, uh, our police department is, uh, does have a fairly good reputation, and uh, for the most part, we know um, all the different police officers in our town. And for Althea's birthday, what they did was uh, they put together a uh, parade with all of the police cars that came by uh, in the town. And uh, I'm showing a video if you're, on, uh, if you're watching on the YouTube feed. 
you could see all of the Nevada Police Department uh, took time to come by and drive by Althea's house and um, and wish her wish her well uh, on 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 her 102nd birthday and as I got thinking about it, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid fifties, so I'm, I'm only halfway to where Althea is. And, uh, I know many of us that are of my, my generation, we have, uh, parents that are still alive, uh, maybe not quite in, into the hundreds yet, but one of the things we constantly have to think about is, uh, quality of life. And for Althea, it's, it's really amazing because uh, since we've moved here, we've gone to her birthday parties every single year, and they've been at the, the Mormon church here in town, and uh, they've been very well-attended events in the community. So this year, we really wanted to make sure, since we couldn't do that at the church, um, that we had something here in the neighborhood for her. And she was very appreciative of it. Once the... Uh, the, the parade finished, all of the uh, police officers with their masks uh, stopped and went back and took photos on the front yard, uh, socially distanced from Althea, but you could see that everybody was there. Uh, her house is an amazing time capsule, and it, it's, I have to believe it's pretty close to as it was when she moved in. And the, the homes here where we live were built in the late 60s and early 70s when um, uh, this town here was basically orchards and they were uh, changed over and started to be uh, subdivided into, in, into housing communities to make room uh, for uh, the growing population in the Bay Area. Um, again, her home, I love going over there because everything is very early 70s from the telephone to uh, the cabinets, but everything is clean as a whistle. It's like it's brand new. Um, she's, she's got a great sense of humor, and on the rare occasions when she does need some assistance, she has a little system here on the cul-de-sac where um, she'll raise her electric uh, she'll raise her garage door opener, and she has an easel out there because she still paints. And uh, she has a sign that she puts up that says, I need help. Not help, like call 911, but I need help. And that's the cue for someone. And there's always someone out and about uh, on our street uh, to go over. So there's been times where I've seen the sign and helped uh, gone over to move uh, a piece of furniture or to reconnect the cable or reprogram the remote on her TV. Uh, it's really nice to see, um, at least now, especially in these times when everybody's so angry and, and confrontational, uh, at least in my neighborhood, in my small little bubble here, um, everyone is, is nice to each other and appreciative. And um, it made me uh, realize how thankful I am for you know where I live and the opportunities um, that I have for, for for my family so again I'm not trying to poke the bear in any way I'm just sharing uh, you know what what the you know what the environment and and the relationship my community or our community here in Novato has with our police department so there you go 
102, God bless, and she's still going strong. Uh, often I see her out walking. So um, I'd like to come back next year with pictures from uh, the really big party that I'm sure we'll have for her 103rd birthday. Um, now, since we're still on the topic of time, and, and uh, I think time and music go together, and one of the things... Uh, I was talking about this week, this weekend with a friend of mine that was here in town, was how uh, how we get or consume our music now versus how we did it when we were younger, and where do we go to find out about new music? And uh, for Jim, he's uh, he's adopted fully adopted the new technology, and for him, everything's about uh, Spotify and uh, curating both his own playlist himself and then um, allowing the algorithms within Spotify to also suggest and offer up things that uh, may fit within, within his taste. And for me, I feel like I still do it old school because uh, maybe it's still kind of part of the whole comic book thing because I like to read and touch and feel something as opposed to um, letting something just offer me up a selection. Um, for me, I'm much more comfortable taking, say, even my entire music library and putting it on shuffle because it's so big that sometimes I'll be surprised by even things that I have. Oh, I may have forgotten it. Um, but it is limiting because um, I'm not going to get new artists or new music unless I bring it into the library. So how do I do that? Um, a couple of ways. One of them, um, I have... A picture here of a magazine called Classic Rock. It's from the UK. And every single month they review uh, new albums as well as reissues. And I make notes of stuff that's coming up that I would be interested in listening to. And then, um, still even go old school, um, there's a picture of a book here that, that I like. It's called the uh, All Music Guide. And this one is for Classic Rock. And Inside of it is, it's, it's a little encyclopedia of album reviews, album descriptions um, from the classic rock period. So basically the 60s, 70s, um, and up through, I believe this volume goes into the early to mid 90s. Um, so again, for me, uh, if I start listening to a particular artist, I like to go see what other albums I should... I should go and pull down and I still like the album format where um, I, where you listen to the entire piece although I know these days many artists don't um, actually create or, or go into the studio with the intention of recording um, a, a cohesive piece for an album as opposed to a collection of songs but hey I'm not judging how people put out their art I'm just saying for me the best way for me to the way I most enjoy consuming it is in the full album um, format. So that's kind of the old <laughs> old school way of uh, digging in and, 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 and adding to the music library. And of course music, music and time. This has been a tough, tough week. Uh, Eddie Van Halen passed away and um, now that I'm into my 50s, um, I'm, I'm really at an age where 
the artists that impacted, influenced, you know, the cliche, the soundtrack of my life are now starting to pass away. Um, albeit the ones now tend to be uh, relatively young. But um, what it made me think back to was, and, you know, I remember when Frank Sinatra passed away and Elvis and uh, when I was younger, some other um, musical uh, artists. But it wasn't until 1980 when, when, um, when John Lennon died, when John Lennon was shot in New York, that um, it, someone, an artist, uh, someone who made music that was important to me was now gone. And trying to figure out what, you know, what that means because, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent. And uh, I think Howard Stern had talked about this last week when Eddie Van Halen had passed away, which is, you know, thankfully, you know, there's a lot of recorded music and concerts. And, and now that Eddie's passed away, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more things coming out um, to help us uh, continue to appreciate his music and his artistry and his contributions but the talent you know the the light the the thing that created all of that isn't here with us anymore and you know where does that go what happens to that and you know is that just part of the energy that goes back out into the universe but um again even showing you know the difference between then and now so uh Back when John Lennon passed away, we didn't have an internet. We had, um, you know, we had Time, and in this case, we had Newsweek. And these are these are the actual issues of Time and Newsweek from the week of December twenty second, nineteen eighty, um, when when John when John Lennon died. These are somewhat of a time capsule too. Uh, Jimmy O'Brien and I were were flipping through flipping through the issues and noticing that all of the, this must have been the tail end of the Mad Men era of the 60s and 70s of advertising because uh, Time and Newsweek were all uh, alcohol and cigarette ads and a couple of car ads, and that was basically it. But uh, in 1980, if you wanted to read about, appreciate, you know, you couldn't just go to the internet and spin up some videos on YouTube. Um, um, magazines and even weekly magazines like time and newsweek were how we marked these milestones um you know in popular culture and you know for a while being on the cover of time and newsweek at the same time that was <coughs> that was an accomplishment um not something you tried to do but it was an indication that um that that you that that topic or that person was at the, you know, at the forefront of both news and popular culture for that week. The other thing I noticed as I was looking through the Soul Time magazine was, is there was actually album reviews in here as well, and not just, uh, you know, what was on the top forty. Uh, there was a Stevie Wonder album review in there as well. So that was pretty fun to go back and take a look, take a look at. Um, obviously, I don't have to talk about Prince and Tom Petty. Again, both taken um, far too early for, from us, but left behind a, laugh, a lasting musical legacy. Uh, later this month, Tom Petty's uh, Wildflower box set is going to be released. So 
Uh, there's a number of uh, videos that have already been put out. Uh, so, you know, while it's, it's, I'm happy there's going to be some, some newer or some Tom Petty music I haven't heard before that's going to be available, but it does make me sad, like I was explaining earlier, that it's, it's, it's older stuff that's recorded, but the actual light, the flame, you know, the energy, the spirit that, that made and created the music um, isn't here to share it with us. Um, especially live, so that that's going to be very, very uh, sad for me. Um, kind of picking up on this, the theme of, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, prior to the internet, how we collected and consumed uh, media and news. So with Time and Newsweek, I mean, I think this is followed through on all types of media. So I thought this might be a good time to, 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 to wax a little philosophical, to get a little um, out of myself, out of my head. And I'm just pulling taffy here, but I started to think about and, and make some connections. So, um, you know, years ago, we would collect the physical, the tangible. That was how we marked something as being real, if you will. Um, I had albums, I had uh, comic books, I had uh, mementos, uh, t-shirts, bumper stickers, pennants, all types and manner of items that I would keep and collect as mementos. And in the, over the past 10 to 15 years, we still have those same, same needs, but we've transferred, um, we've transferred a lot of that over to the, to, uh, you know, the cloud, to the internet, to the non-physical world or the virtual world. So where you used to have a big record collection, now you have a Spotify, set of Spotify playlists and and artists and different uh, feeds that you get um, to keep you up to date versus going to the record store or like I do reading and then going to try to find the music. And early on, there was some resistance, especially when iTunes and MP3s first started out. Now, um, I, I lived in Silicon Valley during that time, so I, I was an early adopter of digital music, but I still held on to the physical CDs uh, so those early days really involved a lot of ripping, existing, they called it ripping. Uh, you put a CD in and rip the tracks off of it onto your computer, so then you could put it on uh, those old iPods, and then eventually up to our iPhones or computers or however we do it. And even from there, we've moved away from keeping large libraries of MP3s to subscribing to music services where... Basically, all music all the time is on tap and available to you. I think we kind of lose something with that. And it's also somewhat overwhelming because in initially, having everything available all the time seems enticing, but it almost can limit or kind of overwhelm you when trying to make choices or trying to figure out where to look or where to go which is why we now have the rise of AI and algorithms and things to uh, more tools to help us navigate the vast quantities of content, whether it be photographs, music, art, 
books and all of that stuff. And, you know, it's happened with newspapers. We've seen both, you know, Time and Newsweek are, I don't, I don't know that they even do physical copies anymore. And the local and, and regional and national newspapers are down to a handful or regional. And we, can, we consume our news on the internet out, out. And I was just thinking about initially people don't, they didn't trust the technology because it was something either you couldn't physically see or understand. It, it, it almost appears to be magic. So um, when I was working uh, for Price Chopper Supermarkets, when I was in high school, uh, we had we were just going through the first uh, technological transformation of going from um, hand marking every single item in the store with a physical price tag and then having the cashiers read those price tags and hand key in um, the prices um, at the checkout. So I remember when we put the scanners in and no one would trust them, a lot of the Customers would stand there and look at everything. We still had to label um, everything in the store with the physical labels because customers didn't trust that when you scanned, it would be the same price as what they saw on the shelf tag. So if there was any discrepancies, we had to be able to resolve those immediately at the register. So again, there was this transition period where people had to almost be trained to trust the things that they can't couldn't necessarily see feel and touch and I think that trend has has both worked in our to our benefit but as with anything if you push it too far it can also have some negative consequences um, because when um, things were it was almost as if they were more black and white 30 years ago 25 years ago <coughs> things that were in the physical world uh, that you could touch and feel and put your hands on um, those were real and things that you couldn't see touch feel or have an empirical experience with uh, for the most part those things were viewed as faith right so those were your more spiritual or religious uh, types of endeavors or, or that part of your life. So for us as humans, it was very simple. You know, you had things that were physical or, quote, real, and then you had your spiritual life. Well, over time, what's happened is now more and more of our physical world, we've been trained um, to trust and treat things that are in the virtual world uh, with the same amount of, you know, we give it the same amount of weight and validity and truth as things that are in the physical world. So on the one hand, you think that's great because that allows technology to move forward. But on the other hand, what that also does is now that, that there's a blur between those two things. And uh, not everyone has the same learning curve or even the same desire to bring those two ideas together, right? You know, the things that I believe in and the things that I trust without having to see, feel, hear, touch, or put my hands on, that's a whole different set of ideas and a part of my life. Well, now you're asking me to take, you know, my work 
and my personal life and each of those pieces of my life have large components where I have to believe or trust in the things that support them, uh, those activities, my med you know, so here you go, medical records, your personal information, um, the types of media that you consume, the website, all of the, the things that go into allowing us to have these virtual, uh, to live in this virtual world are pushing up against uh, things that, that we used to be able to kind of segregate out and keep over on the spiritual side. And I think what is happening with a lot of people these days is they're still struggling to reconcile or get to a place where they're comfortable with having things both things that used to be in their physical world is now part of, if you will, their spiritual world. And is seeing believing because in order for us to, um, you know, a newspaper had a physical presence to it. And along with that came some other implied um, legitimacy, if you will. There's a lot of effort that, and money and people that go into creating a newspaper. And that all of that helped and it wasn't always this way, but helped give it weight and validity in the community. Because, again, you wouldn't have that many people or that large an effort to put something out that wasn't necessarily true or accurate. Well, anybody with $3 can start a news website and put whatever they want on it. And those sites have as much validity, if you will, in the virtual world as any other website, whether, you know, and I don't want to name any of the media outlets because even these days um, that comes with a certain belief or, you know, oh, that's a left-wing site, a right-wing site. It's just, you know, whatever type of site it is, um, they have to compete with every other piece of information that's on the Internet. So do I trust it all or do I trust none of it? And I think a lot of people... In their frustration, I've just decided to trust none of it. And a lot of that is playing itself out in our world today. Now, along those lines, so how do we, if we take this, this, this thought out to the next level, which is how do we figure out what's real anymore? And I, I was starting to... to, to to understand again people's frustrations because we're asked to believe in things that we can't see feel hear, and touch anymore but that are also not part of um, a religious background or or some other uh, some other structure and give it as much weight as anything else in our world so I think on the one hand and I, I selected some graphics here uh, without getting too drifting over into the matrix, right? Like, I'm, I'm not trying to take the discussion to that point where, um, you know, what's reality. But in some respects, what is reality now? Because um, everyone has their own perception and because now everyone is bringing belief systems and faith systems over into uh, other parts of their life and their world, 
trying to reconcile all of these things is creating a lot of tension. And so on the one hand, is anything real? Is nothing real? I found um, uh, there's one graphic here that's it's a Venn diagram. So it's basically two, two overlapping circles. And one circle is must be, the other circle is can't be. And where those two circles overlap, the space in between is what's real. And um, I believe, I, I think I, I know, like obviously that's not my Venn diagram, but I think I got that, the, it was originally shown to me on the Big Bang, on the Big Bang Theory as part of um, a very simplified way to look at quantum physics. Um, but I, I, I like, I love a simple graphic. To me, if you can, if you can use a simple picture to tell a larger story, or to articulate an IT an idea gracefully, that that's one of the most affecting te effective teaching tools uh, that you can use, or one of the best ways to uh, communicate. And remember, communication is not just putting data out there. Communication is actually two components, right? It's sending a message and having that message received, not just heard, but also received, and. Um, if we spend a little more time um, working on the receiving part versus the uh, delivering part, I think we would all have a better chance of making it up to 102. And the strength of the community and the people around you and the support you get from them are what really matters. And while, especially these days, it's very entertaining or... Uh, exciting or easy to get worked up by turning on the TV to see what's happening um, in the power centers of the world. If you think about what really impacts your quality of life, and I talked about this uh, when we were discussing Althea earlier, um, you know, she's 102 years old. So the amount of presidents, uh, speakers of the house, uh, political figures, local figures, even religious figures that have come and gone um, in her lifetime is, is, is a lot. But for her, she focused her life on her family, her faith, and her community. And those are the things, those are the three things that impact your quality of life. And it doesn't matter who's in the White House. If, if you're putting your faith in that person to make your life better or to make someone else's life worse or anything like that, then you've really given up your power. If you really want to make a difference and have an impact, it's going to be through your family, your community, um, and your faith. So um, that's what I have for tonight. We're a little short, only uh, 34, 35 minutes, but um, I only share as much as I have. So again, um, check back. I'll have another reminder next week uh, before before the John Wick Day Watchathon, and I think next week we're actually going to have uh, uh, someone else on the podcast with me. So for the folks that know me on the East Coast, uh, I've asked Jimmy O'Brien, who's not a Facebook person, not a social media uh, hound, uh, to join me. He was here this weekend, uh, hanging out with the family down from Lake Tahoe, so we spent some time watching some concerts and uh, listening to some music and, and sharing 
uh, sharing our history together, which goes all the way back to seventh grade. So uh, please come back uh, next week. So I believe Jimmy will be uh, calling in. We'll, we'll do a Zoom setup of some sort. And hey, if any uh, anyone out there is interested or has a different or point of view or something to add, uh, like I said, uh, this this podcast here for the most part is an outlet for me, a creative outlet for me, a way for me to talk and share. Um, not really trying to, uh, you know, take on Joe Rogan or monetize or turn this into something else. So, like I said, if you would like to come on and have a conversation and, and share anything. Just reach out. Um, we still have the payphone up. I know someone tried to call us today. I wasn't able to get to it on time, but uh, the number for the payphone is on the website. I wish everyone uh, a great week, and I look forward to you coming back next week here at Left Coast Love 2020. Thank you.